Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. I'm Charles Collins. Coming up, the Cobblers made it four wins in a row. Coming from behind to beat Stockport 2-1, the club announced plans to invest in the training ground and we take a visit to the Cobblers' creative corner. Helping me to do all that are Chesie Coleman and Danny Brothers. How are you guys? Hello. 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 <laughs> Isn't this lovely? Back together again. Back together again. Another win. Another weekend. Keep on going. HMS is not Ooh. quite in sale yet. Steady. But oh, it's steady. steady and it's on the right waters. <laughs> I was going to say, where, where are we going here? Because a path <laughs> is a bit too solid for a boat. <laughs> I enjoyed it immensely, Danny. Thank you so much. Um, yes, we are in for a fantastic show uh, today. Um, but before we get into all of it, I, I just want to say a huge thank you again for all of your support. As you know, we've been asking you to vote for us in both the Football Content Awards and Football Supporters Association Awards over the last few weeks. And boy, have you done us proud. We'll find out whether we've made the cut to defend our FSA Club Podcast of the Year title in mid-October. And the FCAs have, of course, shortlisted us for the Best Football League Podcast Award. Uh, we're up against some really big podcasts. Now, Danny, last week when you asked me who we were up against, <laughs> I didn't know, so I blacked I didn't. it. Yes, have you got the list now? I've got the list, right? He says, <laughs> on. He says he's got the list. Hang on. <laughs> so we are up against uh, two Ipswich Town podcasts. Oh, it's one of them um, the one that Neil went on. It is. And, uh, yes, the raised yeah, eyebrow one. Yes, yes it is. Oh, I'd love um, to meet them just to, just to, so that Neil could actually do an in-person <laughs> eyebrow raise to them about David immense. Cornell. Yes, yeah, that would be immense. Um, so it's the Kings of Anglia and Talking Town is the, uh, yeah, the other It was Talking one. Town, wasn't it, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hull and Back. So yeah, that's good, Hull City. Nice. Yeah, yeah, like that one. Um, the Borough Breakdown 
podcast. That's Middlesbrough, mm. just in case you were a little bit worried. Um, <laughs> and then there's our I friends. I wasn't worried. I was just been very disappointed. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. And our friends at the Railway Men podcast. Oh, nice. As well. That's Ooh, crew. That stiff competition. This is... Stiff competition there. And, and then we leave the club-specific podcasts behind because then we're up against Under the Cosh. Now, now, yeah. do you know Under the Cosh, Danny? No. Former footballer John Parkin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His podcast, yeah. Um, which is very, very funny, very, very raucous. I, I believe that a couple of our former players have been on it. Nicky Adams had a tremendous episode, I seem to remember, um, uh, which is enjoyable. But they're a huge podcast, right? Massive, absolutely mm. massive. And then finally, the last one nominated is Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry, which, of course, is hosted by Darren McCantley. <clears throat> yeah. What was the um, category again, Charles? Best Football League Best Podcast. Best Football League Podcast. Can we technically not? Is Darren McCantley's technically a Football League Podcast? No. It's just a football podcast, really, isn't yeah, it? It's in not general. Football League Podcast, yeah. is it? We- no. We're being cheated out of a potential winner. Well, hang on a minute. We're not being cheated because <laughs> we're going to beat them. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. It's one of those, right? It, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Because, again, Under the Cosh isn't really a football league podcast. No. It's, again, a football podcast. But I think the way that the awards are set is that they're either Premier League or Football League. That's the right. two categories within the best podcast Category. If we get sat on a table with Darren McAntony, Charles. God, no. What is going to be the outcome of that? Well, no, because we can't do anything or say anything, can we? <laughs> that's that's the problem, right? You could if if we'd managed to actually, you know, be okay when we've played Posh in the last twenty years, then maybe we'd we'd be able to give him a bit of stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't just keep bringing Samo up, can we? <laughs> I, su- I suppose really, the, literally, the only thing that we could do is just sort of go, hmm, "Are you fit and proper? Are you? Are you?" <laughs> just keep shouting. What was he doing up there, Darren? I don't care about that. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? But yeah, um, oh, so a lot of those podcasts are a bit. Bigger than us, I'd suggest, based on who uh, football team that they represent. And it's a good podcast, isn't there? The, the, yeah, the Railwayman one is is excellent as well. To be fair, yeah. So um, there, there is a, a, a you know, we. I'm, I'm not wanting to put us down here at all, but obviously there is stiff competition. Luckily, there is a way that you can help us to win, and that is by voting for us. Mm. at footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting uh, and then by tweeting the following sentence I am voting for at cobblers to me in the at the FSAs for hashtag best podcast go to our Twitter it's there see it copy paste send done lovely um, see it say it sorted exactly that's it thank you very much for your support you never know they could be getting another beautiful award. Can I just say that, Charles, as well? Like This is the last eight, right, mm. of all the Football League podcasts and stuff. Indeed. For the amount of people to go out and initially vote for us at all is mm-hmm. insane. So thank you to anyone who's done that, because that is, like, for one person to vote for us and go out and do it and take the time to go and do that is nuts. So for the amount of people to do it to get us into that top eight is is mind-blowing. So thank you to everyone. It's It's, it's pretty insane. It is, really. Yes, thank you very much. Especially because we talk about waffles most of the time. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, don't get us started with the toaster situation. No, let's leave no, it's the no time. situation. We've been there warned no already time. this week. Yeah. <laughs> We've, we had a warning We've this week. We've been waffling on <laughs> too much. Yeah, yeah, we had a warning saying, no, nothing about waffles. <laughs> not even a post bag this week. It's just not no, enough time. Not enough time. So much to talk about. It's ridiculous. So let's <laughs> get cracking. Um, Cobblers 2, Stockport 1. Yes, a fourth win in a row. But Danny and Chesie, mm. at halftime, didn't really feel like it was going to be a fourth win in a row, did it? Uh, no, it was <laughs> no. It was awful. <laughs> First half, it looked like one of them where nothing was going right. Uh, everything was going astray. All the all the passes were wrong. 
not, we didn't have any attacking flair at all or knew what we were doing going forward. They looked the stronger team. They'd come out and did a job on us. We, we were warned in the previous show uh, by our friend from Stockport that they would come out from the start and 10 or 15 minutes just really go for it and press. We don't tend to do well against pressing teams and we just didn't seem to know what we were doing. It just seemed to be drifting away from us um, and we needed half time because it was that first half was, <laughs> was awful. I think that from the very beginning, it was very evident the setup was completely wrong. And I think Danny's right. I think we we just got overrun. But I think we we lacked width, which I think was a massive issue. And we just had no midfield. It was almost like the curl days where we just completely bypassed any kind of midfield and we didn't utilize them at all, which massively played into to their hands. Um, yeah, and the first half was probably the worst I've seen under Brady. Actually, yeah, definitely the worst I've seen under Brady. Yeah, it wasn't but I have, pretty, was it? Uh, yeah, no, but the deep. response was something else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that Apre just got completely marked out of the game by the two centre. Was it Horsfall and Johnson that... And they're just mm. winning everything. And all we did was let's try and lump it up towards him and he wasn't winning anything. He wasn't getting anything on them. They had them in they had him completely in their pockets for the entire forty five minutes. Um and just all of our attacking play was just null and void of any ideas and stuff in the first half. So like Jeffy said, to turn it around to the second half, there's there's reasons for that we'll get into, but the type of player that came on was perfect for what we needed to turn that game around. And I'm so glad that John Brady actually changed at half time and not didn't wait till the sixtieth minute or whatever, because we could all see that what was going on, it wasn't it wasn't working at all. So, so that that's something that he's got in his pocket. We've said it a few times this season. It's something that he's got in his back pocket now that he can bring on players from the bench straight away. And he he's doing it earlier and he's bringing the right players on. He's he's the, got the ability now, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got people on the bench to do it. Whereas yeah. last season we didn't have that. Yeah, but it's not just got that. It's got the type of players that we need. It's got the, the Apare wasn't winning any headers. Um, so who does he bring on the footballers? He brings the footballers off the bench, which I, you know, I get why they couldn't start because of injuries and or uh, David Bowie, <laughs> Kieran Bowie just come back from <laughs> from international duty. But he's brought on two players that are comfortable with the ball at their feet, and it completely changed us. We're not playing it, lumping it forward anymore. We've got two amazing footballers with the ball at their feet on changed it completely and, and everything just went our way second half and we deserved it, I think, by the end. Because this is it, isn't it? In the first half, I I wondered whether it was us being rubbish <laughs> and it just not working or whether it was actually Stockport, as you said, Danny, doing a number on us. I mean, essentially, they, 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 they man-marked Leonard. Uh, Sarkovic was just uh, literally following him everywhere, two yards away at all times. Um uh, Sam Hoskins was double marked, uh, constantly had two people on him. Um, I mean, Pinnock was Pinnock was probably out of all of it, again, was just a shadow, wasn't really in the game at all. It was too narrow for him, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. It was completely, you, you isolated that area of the pitch that he, he runs riot on and just basically disabled that. Yeah. So he had no options. And actually, I don't think it was necessary that he was playing particularly badly because I don't think he was but he, he had no service even in and it's and you normally say that about a striker don't you but actually saying that about somebody who kind of links up on your midfield and out on the wings they were there was no width so that he wasn't getting anywhere near and it, where he and it was plays. the fact wasn't it that they basically just kept sort of all our defense really could do was just try and hit it long to apparate but the problem was and I think this was mentioned on the radio by by Terry Angus in the commentary where he said that you know the 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 long balls forward are just going straight you know from the middle of the pitch to the middle of the pitch whereas they should have been mm -hmm. diagonal you know play them out into the space in the corners to, or towards the corners for people like Pinnock or Apare or um you know Hoskins to run it onto and to try and challenge them but essentially i mean there was a lot of time in that first half that both keepers were at fault for it, where they were just kicking it long and it was just going all the way through to the net, the other keeper. Um, both keepers did it, but Burge seemed to do it a lot more. And it, it caused us real problems, I thought, because of the fact that, you're right, essentially, Horsefall and, and, and their other defender, I can't think remember his name, and you said it before, Danny. Johnson. 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 Both of them just dominated and, and just, you know, picked it off 
every single time. There was no way that they were getting through. And was it you, Danny, that had said in the preview show or said maybe in our WhatsApp group about how, um, you know, you wanted Apare to basically leave one on Horseful mm. early doors? Yeah. Just, just give him a bit of a shoulder barge or something. Mm. Completely the opposite happened. Horseful yeah. knocked him over like he wasn't even there, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't go no. I mean, that, that's the thing. He... Fraser Horsfall probably knows him inside out from training, right? Mm-hmm. He knows how to deal with him. He knows exactly how to how to work it, work him out. And as soon as Hilton comes on, one of the first things he does is goes and gets in his face. And I think it was Terry Angus who said, I think Tim Oglethorpe said, oh, he's, you know, he's got really like into him there. He's, he's being a bit fiery. And Terry Angus has gone good. And that's what I love about Terry Angus's commentary. I love it when he's on. I know he's a friend of the show and everything. And go back to listen to his interview if you can, because it's amazing. Um, but, when he's on commentary, he just speaks what a fan would be saying. And he's it, it right. Good. Like, good that he's just been, he's finally got something left on him. Because he, he just, well, he wasn't touched the first half. And, and it's, I don't think it's particularly Apare's fault. It's just the way he plays and the, way, the style of play that he, that he has that just didn't work in this game against the two giant centre back. I think it, there there will be games where it does work and his strength, is, well, you know, his strength, the way he plays will work it just in this game it didn't and Brady spotted it and fair play to him for, for changing it up because Hilton just <laughs> Hilton just was completely all over him all afternoon <laughs> it was hilarious to watch yeah Jeff you you weren't it's happy with that were you that you were not uh, happy with him at all no but I wasn't happy with any of them but mm. I am unhappy generally with <laughs> stop his... there <laughs> <laughs> With his strength, and I don't personally feel that he warrants a place in the starting eleven at the moment. Um, I don't think he's strong enough. He's not providing uh, a decent goal return. Now, he never was really intended, I don't think, for what Sam Hoskins is providing at the moment. I don't think he was ever going to be our main goal scorer. I think we all understand that. But what he's not providing is the kind of play, and I've said this before, I think, the Vidane Oliver style of play where he people feed off him and he provides good connect play, right? That isn't happening for Apare. Really, he was a, he's been a passenger from day one this season. He's not really... I can't think of a single string of um, assists or a, a single string of connection play that he's made at all this season I can't I can't think of one and I don't think it's right with the quality that we've got on the bench that he should be starting when they're fit he should be starting ahead of them I don't think that he fits into the formation personally no I don't think he does either I think he I think he would be much better if there were if he was playing with a with a partner up front Mm. and because we don't play with or don't tend to sort of play with a front two, do we? We we play with essentially a front three, Apare in the centre, and then you'll have Hoskins or Bowie or Pinnock or whoever it will be on that that other side, um, attacking down the wings. I think Apare needs a needs a partner. I think he needs somebody to actually link with, whereas he is quite lonely. As a sole a striker, yeah, he is. I, he, he's just. I'm going to disagree, Charles. Ooh. If that's How okay. Yeah. Of I, okay. I, <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Could I please disagree? A motion <laughs> to. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think it. What? <laughs> I'll bring him back. Um, yeah, I, I do kind of get what you're saying. I do. I think it's been a little bit harsh to say he hasn't done anything all season because I think he has linked up well I think he does a lot of work off the ball that goes unnoticed uh, I, I think we have seen him with Hilton and it doesn't work we saw him early in the season when we said we sat here and said it just doesn't work with them two together I personally think him being in the position he is in is not going to be a goal scorer but he's going to link up the play really well and he's going to bring the likes of Hoskins in the reason why Hoskins has scored a lot of goals is probably because of some of the work that he's done off the ball um, I think he can be better. He can be stronger for sure. I get that. But what Jeffrey's saying for sure, he can be stronger for the type of build he is. You want him to be really physical and, and believe in how physical he can be and believe in what he can do. But I, I disagree slightly with the fact that he hasn't done anything this season because I think he has been doing a lot of stuff off the ball 
and okay. he's he's important. He can be really important to the team. He's, he's he's kind of in a Harry Kane type role how he is now. He's like coming oh. to get the ball more and linking it up rather than being the out and out goal scorer. And we've got to get the likes of, of Bowie and Hoskins and Pinnock running off him rather than him being the out and out number nine. But he, it, he can still do more for sure. But I think it's a little bit harsh of of, of saying he's not done enough so far. I think. Um... Off the back of that, it is very important to highlight that he was not the reason we were shocking in the first no, half. No, no, not at all. It was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a very much a team, <laughs> a team effort to be so bad. <laughs> team yeah. effort to be so <laughs> terrible. Um, no, but I think that going on from what you said earlier as well, Danny, the the substitutions were key, and the impact that they made were absolutely ginormous. And bringing Apre off was the right decision mm-hmm. because. And Fox, because it just wasn't working at all, no. and it, something had to change. And I think it, it was that it was that kind of thing, wasn't it? So Fox coming off allowed Leonard to go from being at the sort of front where he wasn't getting anywhere, you know, he wasn't getting on the ball at all, to be able to then come and drop back into that little pocket like he has done so many times in front of our front, sorry, in front of our back two to collect the ball and start to pass the ball about and really control the tempo of the game. Mm, that's what's um, best in it, yeah. Yeah, where he, where undoubtedly he's he's been and played his best football so far this season. Um, and, and then having both Bowie and, and, and Hiltz up top, I mean, both of them. I mean, I, you know, it was great to watch and I'm sure we'll come on to Hilton winding up Horsfall, which was absolutely <laughs> majestic. Um, but... Kieran Bowie was was phenomenal. I thought his his power and his strength and and just his tenacity to just keep going and to hound the opposition constantly was was beautiful. The pair of them, Hilton and Bowie, they did change the game because they lifted the crowd for for a start. They also allowed us to try and actually hold the ball up at the right end of the pitch for longer. But it was their introduction that then allowed other things to happen in other areas of the pitch. Leonard moving back slightly. Um, all of a sudden, you know, Pinnock going back onto the wing. He was yeah, a- that was massive. He was able to yeah. now get on the ball. He was able to cross the ball in and, and do the stuff that he does best. Hoskins, who was anonymous really in the first half, came to life and again was now finding space and he was able to actually do the bits that he'd he'd been stifled the whole of the first half. So many of our players were stifled in the first 45 minutes, but the introduction of those two players almost scared the shit out of Stockport (laughs) and they stopped doing the things that they'd been doing really, really well, I thought, in the second half. They just weren't able to handle it. And and Hiltz just got in Horsfall's head. It was incredible. <laughs> so I so I can honestly say, I don't say this very often because I don't often get the opportunity to, but I when those two changes were made, my first thought was good, it's needed. But the my second thought came about thirty seconds after the whistle had gone for the second half. I knew we were winning that game. There was no way that we weren't coming away with all three points because as soon as they came on, the whole atmosphere, the whole style, we we were so much shallower. And I mean that in terms of that we spent so much time penned into their penalty box and not being able to push up and push forward. And we were just completely penned in. And and that introduction of those two players just meant that everything was so much shallower and we could push up further. But Hilton, I mean, we had somebody at the forum asking whether he'd disappeared. (laughs) What a way to reintroduce yourself. It was absolutely sublime. Talk about getting what you want and getting what it says on the tin, right? Danny Hilton comes on and just destroys the opposition. And it is exactly what you think Danny Hilton's going to bring to the game. And I have been hugely critical of him in previous episodes. And actually, 
that's exactly why we bought him. That's exactly why he's in our squad for games like that, where he, you need somebody of that character. What he does is he does what Danny Rose did, but well. <laughs> yeah, hard to argue with that, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that really was missing for Hill's performance was a goal, wasn't it? And I mean. Oh, but he so deserved it. So... I can't believe oh, that, that went. Oh. oh. Just. That would have lifted the roof off, well, three of the roofs. Yeah. That was just, yeah, you're right. That was the only thing that was missing. It almost it's, defied gravity, doesn't it? It was, yeah, I know it didn't go in, but it, it, was, it was ridiculous. That would have been one of them goals that's completely underappreciated, but you can, the craft, the, the cross from Pinnock and that, the mm. timing of the run and the header, that would have been a beauty. Yeah. Absolutely. It would have been amazing. I mean, to be fair, in that, I don't think that the scoreline necessarily reflects how dominant we were in that second half we only had 45 percent possession yeah but i i you see this this is i'm not saying that we weren't dominant well but, this is it but right it doesn't is, is reflect that, it is that yeah that, you know you don't have to have all the ball constantly no, to be dominant not. you know that's a, that's a myth made up by hipsters i'm sorry it is. but it does show you <laughs> it does show you how undominant we were in the first well, half. Well, yeah, I mean, in the sense. first half, we were just, yeah. we were non-existent. But that second we, half, I mean, you, you had, you know, the Hilton chance. Hilton's was the one that hit the post, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and then he tried again and it and went Yeah, he, he stuffed it, didn't yeah. he? he got, yeah, Bowie, Bowie had, had really a good... Over, yeah. yeah um, was it? Bowie skied it into Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Uh, Which, you know, he can crack on and do that if he's had a goal already. Like, I was quite happy with that. Is it Pinnock? Did Pinnock have a chance as well at some point? I think so. And also, um, uh, sharing as well. a, a header, a header, sharing's yeah. header go flying, didn't yeah. we? They they were, and I think Terry Anger said this on the commentary, rattled from yes. the first few minutes of that half. They were rattled. And there was only one team winning it after we'd scored yeah. our, yeah. our, our, our first goal because they were completely shell-shocked. And I expected a little bit more from them. To, yeah, yeah, I did too. To a bit more I, I a think... bit more resilience if, you, if you're throwing a lot of money in it <laughs> at a team. <laughs> you would expect a little bit more resilience from, from that colour team. And I, I would be a little bit worried if I was a Stockport fan because they well, didn't Thank goodness look, that you're not, Danny. Thank goodness I'm not. <laughs> but they... They didn't offer a lot, I don't thought, and we seem to find them out pretty easily. Go, They're just for, quite boisterous, aren't they? Yeah, I, th- I think go, going on from what has happened in in previous games, it, there's, there there seems to be a pattern for them emerging, mm. which is that they they start mm. the games well, but then fade, and in their fading, they also then concede goals and lose games more often than not, and it, it, that pattern just was typical. You know, typified in that one game at Sixfields mm. on Saturday. Um, I want to quickly talk about Fraser Horse, who obviously returning to Sixfields for the first <laughs> time since leaving and moving on in the summer, which none of us, by the way, at all begrudge him doing. It is a short career. Yes, he might. I mean, the rumour is he's on like 10 grand a week. I can't believe it's that much. <laughs> he really can't be. But, you know, rumour is that he's on a l- load of money at Stockport. And I don't begrudge him that move because, as I was saying to somebody else earlier today, yes, he could have stayed and then potentially this season got promoted with us and and therefore done a a Charlie Good and got a move to, say, a championship or, or, you know, a top-end League One club for, you know, a lot of money for us, but also a bigger contract potentially for him. But you do not know what's going to happen. He could have ended up getting a, a massively long-term injury that means that, you know, he that, that dream just doesn't get realised. So I don't begrudge him having done the move, but I bloody loved the fact that he got beat. <laughs> Do you know, I'm 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 going to say something a bit controversial here, but please hold on until I've finished the entire statement. I think it's a little bit better that he actually scored as well, and then what happened happened. Oh yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think I think it rubs even more salt into the wound that he reckons he's got him <laughs> onto a good going platform. Like, oh yeah, we got this. I've scored against my old team. This is going to be great. They're going to be hating me, and then boom, Danny Hilton. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's pantomime. A lot of it. I don't think oh, it's yeah. genuine. Oh, yeah. Like when Kevin Van Veen come, came back. That wasn't pantomime at all. That was genuine hatred no, towards him. And when he got sent off, it was the most beautiful moment ever <laughs> in the in the history of Sixfields, maybe. Especially yeah. Tim Oglethorpe's reaction. But I, I feel like this is this is this is definitely more pantomime. It's like we appreciate what he did, but it's it, the fact that if he'd have gone anywhere else, maybe you know, 
it would he perhaps would have got a little bit of a different reception like with a little bit more anger towards it because it, it would have moved been a sideways move or whatever but this felt like pantomime just because the type of club he's gone to I, yeah. I don't particularly have any ill feelings towards him at no. all and he but didn't celebrate no, either, I don't think did anyone he? does. No, no but I don't get that, though. No, I know. I don't get that either. There is that, but there are two types of celebration that he could have done other than the, the non-celebration that he did do, right? So the first <laughs> one is that he does like just a, just a normal celebration with his teammates, you know, fist pumping, jumping up and down, whatever. And the other one, which he could have done, which would have properly riled <laughs> everybody, was, you know, goad the home fans and he didn't do that and I think because he scored it in the north at north stand in front of the north mm-hmm. he didn't if he'd scored in front of the south I think he would have celebrated yeah absolutely he would have and he would have been fine too it's, yeah absolutely it's, it's okay. but I, I love the it's, fact it's, that you know it, it was just like so clear to me that he desperately wanted to win that game mm. desperately wanted to win it and then Hilton just got in his head. The bit where the bit where Hilton, like I can't remember what it was. Uh, did Horsell gave away a free kick on Hilton, and then the Hilton end. they're walking away yeah. from like the corner flag of the northwest <laughs> yeah. corner, and all Danny Hilton does is point at the back of Fraser Horsell's <laughs> yeah. shirt, point to the north stand, yeah, yeah, or point back at Fraser Horsell, and do a little bit of you know laughing and stuff. Fraser Horsell turns around and goes, "What? What? What? What?" proper in his head i thought it was it's, delicious it's incredible it's a beautiful thing to watch it was so funny it, there's a p- photo of it i think in there as well yeah there <laughs> is it's going, going going on the socials that it's one absolutely <laughs> brilliant it was so good you noticed uh, uh, another little incident just to finish off the uh, yeah. talk on the game, Danny, which I hadn't seen at first until you pointed it out. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, so when I was watching it back, um, when Akil Wright, I think it was, he got sent off for Stockport at the end and um, he's done a foul. He fouled Bowie, didn't he? Bowie. He did a foul. He did yeah, a foul. He did a foul. He did a, he did a little foul yeah. on, on Kieran That's Bowie. Manic. And Bowie's just turned around, giving the smallest little wave. <laughs> It's a really subtle little wave, but but it's like bye, and then you can see the reaction of Wright as well. He he wants to punch him, but he knows he can't because he's already been sent off. It's going to get him even more trouble if he does. But he has a little tiny reaction. I thought it was brilliant. It's the little tiny wave, and I think Bowie's got that in his in his locker that makes him stand out a little bit from lone players we've had before. He cares. Like one thing he can say, but he really cares, and I think Leonard's the same. Like you can see there how much they want to play for the club and I think that's that's brilliant like you, you get some loan players in and you just think you can't, they can't be asked they're, they're mm. only here for six mm. months and they really can't be bothered the likes of you know Callum Morton came in and you could tell he could he cared straight away he wants to do well not just for himself to put himself on the platform he wants to do it for the club I think Bowie and, and Leonard especially are exactly like that as well mm. um, before we move on Charles as well can I mention young Harvey Lintott Oh, yes, of course. Well. Oh, Excuse me, because can you give him his proper surname? Harvey Lynn Totty. Yes, there you go. Lynn, Lynn Totty. Love what it. a man. I, I enjoyed his goal. I enjoyed his interview afterwards as well. Seems like a really, really decent chap. Mm. Decent chap. Don't know why it just turned up. Don't why it just. Why I just. Old boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just went to a Jane Austen my, uh, novel all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> fairly decent chap, a jolly old boy. Well done. But yeah, he seems like a good lad. Um, yeah. Um, so can I burst the Uh-oh. the happiness oh, no. for a moment? Why, why, why do you want to do that? Well, I have... It's not so much a concern, but it's an observation that I think we need to address. Because we're all very happy here because we've won. Hmm. But my concern is that we've got Swindon and Leighton Orient and Salford coming up. Yeah. And I can't, be- I can't believe I'm putting Salford in that, that bracket. However, I really need, I, not I, but we really need this to be a learning curve. This weekend has to have been a learning curve. Because if we were to do what we did on Saturday against some teams, i.e. Orient, who, by the way, have broken the record for the best ever fourth division start. Good, good. We'll be 3-0, 4-0 down in 20 minutes. Well, we could have and been 3-0, 4-0 down, down against yeah, Stockport. But, but, I, I, don't go, I don't buy into this, uh, this whole thing of, uh, oh, if you do that against other teams. At the end of the day, you can only play against the, teams that, uh, the team that is in this front is of true. you. And I just think that it's 
something that I, I, I do completely understand and I, I get where the concern is coming from. But it will be a completely different game against those three teams. I mean, I watched a little bit because obviously we, we kicked off at two. So by the time we'd finished our game, you know, we were able, you know, most of the other games were now in their second half. And I watched a little bit of Barrow against Leighton Orient. And to be honest with you, so we'd seen Barrow already at Sixfields. And I, you know, apart from a blistering start that they had, I didn't think that they were particularly worrisome. I, I didn't, they didn't stand out as being like miles better than us or anything like that. Um, I'm not trying to put them down. Um, Leighton Orient, again, I, I just thought they went about their business. I didn't, I didn't see anything that was there to be worried about. Um, Salford, I watched a little bit of that because of um, I, I wanted to see if Callum Hendry would score for Charles versus the Patreons on uh, the Basement Tales of this week. Spoiler, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> but You're throwing a lot it, of tenors out, Charles, there. Well, you know. <laughs> They all know. <laughs> wow, you spent um, 30 quid on three League Two games in present. Yeah, yeah, well, this is it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just kind of looked at it and just sort of went, again, with, with them. I mean, the, you know, they were playing Sutton and they, I, didn't, I don't think they were that special. I think that they just, Sutton weren't as good as them. I, I don't think that there is any massive concern. We've got to just face each of those as we get to them. I do think you you only have to play what's in front of you, but my concern is, okay, maybe what I'm trying to say then is my concern is that we need to play both halves and both halves well because otherwise we'll come unstuck, which is probably what mm. I'm feeling more. Yeah, we, but I think we need to have to address that. If Brady doesn't address that this week, then we've got an issue. And I think he will address it. And we, we, we he's proven to have reacted and reacted well to that situation, but that can't happen again. Okay. I would rather Leighton Orient win the next couple of games before they play us. Oh, I don't okay. want them coming in. Having, I want them to come into that game unbeaten. Okay. Them. Is I'd, this like how sure. you wanted Rochdale to have already lost before yeah, yeah. they faced us? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. mean one or? Oh, sorry. One, yeah, yeah, how yeah, he yeah. wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. They have. Have they actually they've won, won a game? Yet? They won they a, have game, won a game, game. Oh my gosh! Steps back but in we, amazement. Um, we play three times before we play Orient. Orient only play twice, so it could be quite tight by the time we play. Oh. Mm. Six pointer, maybe. Oh, hello. There we go. Hey. Oh, hello. Hey, we, like, we like a good six pointer at Leighton Orient, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, right. Time to move on because there was, uh, there's still loads to talk about. It's ridiculous. Um, I hosted the Fans Forum on Thursday night. Yes. Very well, Charles. At six years. Thank you, Danny. Very oh, kind. Uh, obviously, um, it's all cobbles to me. In conjunction with Northampton Sound Football Club, we, we hosted the evening. We had uh, Chairman Kelvin Thomas, CEO James Whiting, and uh, Tom Cliff, the supporters' representative on the board of the football club, um, answering questions. Um, well, or at least they did after Kelvin... Thomas had done his hour and a half long presentation. <laughs> it wasn't quite an hour and a half, but, <laughs> you know, it was one of those. Yeah, uh, a very long presentation. Um, went through a lot of different talking points. There are a few that stand out, um, including things about the East Stand, obviously. Uh, they went through a whole timetable, Um of you know since they purchased the club and things like that um then talking about the land deal and 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 how remediation of the land will begin soon um and what else they talk about the relationship with the trust of course and um they also uh, announced details of um investment into the training facility at Moulton which was pretty good um i want to start though with um I, the biggest talking point out of all of it, I, I would say, it set, it felt to me like the club, and by the club I mean Kelvin Thomas in particular and the staff, it felt like they were at the end of their tether. The frustration was evident, Danny. Yeah, and you could tell it in his voice, couldn't you? In Kelvin's voice, as he was, he was, he was talking, he's a passionate man. You could tell him, you could tell that he's been waiting for an opportunity to to come out and say the things that he feels like he needs to say. I feel like they've been fairly quiet, ta- probably 
tactically from their side of things. They don't want to be going in back and forth with, particularly with themselves and the trust and the council and all that kind of thing. I feel like he was, he's been he's been brought to a point now where he had to say something, or else it's just all that people are going to be hearing is from the from the trust and the council side of things. He's not going to be able to get his, what he wants to say out. And um, I think it was fair enough what he said. It was there was a lot of revealing stuff in there. Uh, go back and listen to it to to hear it all. It's probably not time to cover all of it, but there was a there was a lot of stuff about the trust that and members of the trust, I should say, as well that that came the, out. That the was board of the, the, trust, the board of the trust. Sorry, way, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, and I think it's important to say before we before we probably talk about it is that there are some really good people in the trust on the board. There probably are some really good people there who care a lot about the club. I don't doubt that any of the trust care about the club because I think they do they all do or else they wouldn't be on it they wouldn't be on the board spending time volunteering or that kind of thing but I feel like it's it's reached the point now where where Kelvin has to come out and and say look look at all the evidence here look at all the stuff that's been thrown at us and thrown at staff been thrown at at Tom been thrown at ticket office staff at anybody social media or that kind of thing there's been so much of it and it like I'm sick of it I'm sick of all the back and forth of everything, but I'm, I'm it's got to a point where the, the trust to me, I would, if I was a board member and I saw all this coming out and I saw the stuff on social media, I would be embarrassed as a board member of the trust at the moment. And this is one side of it. And I understand we're, we're probably all on the same page in this, in this sense, but, and, I, and I'd like the trust to come out and, and say their side of things because we need to know by the side of the argument. I'd like them to do it if they want to come on here, if they want to put statements out, but anything to, to to explain stuff. But some of the stuff that was that was put, that was put out there by Kelvin Thomas on his presentation, I think is embarrassing for the trust. And, I don't, and I, it's not it's not something that I I'm happy about. Happy to say, oh, you know, the trust this blah blah blah. It, I'm it makes me sad if anything because this isn't what the trust is this is what the trust was supposed to be it's supposed it's supposed to be a critical partner of the club i think that's the words isn't it that it's supposed to be um and it just seems to have gone into a really different channel at the moment and it makes me sad because that's not what it's it was originally intended for and i think it's it's i've just got so tired of 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 the statements of the falsenesses of of things getting said that's not that's not true or the, or the secrecy as well. There's, there's a lot of secrecy behind it. And there's a lot of like one example of, of Calvin saying constantly in letters to them that the East End will be finished. The East End will be finished. That's one of their key points that the trust would have been saying the last few months that they've never said in writing, it will be finished. That that's been proven to be incorrect because he's said many times he's shown letters, he's shown stuff that said the East End will be finished. We will finish the stand. There's no reason for us not to finish the stand. Um, and I think that's why the, the club haven't been, coming out and saying it all the time because it, it's there. It's there in black and white. It's been said. It's been said time and again. Like, and he's it, it right. It doesn't make sense not to say that because it's got to be part of the deal. And it's, and yeah, it, I'm just sad that it's come to this point, honestly. It, I'm sad that it's come to the point where we've got two sides of it because there's, there's a clear split there. And there, there's some good people on the board that are probably being carried along somewhere where they don't want to be. And there's some members of the trust that will not be being representative, represented by them, by the board. And they've said nothing since that story came out in the NN Journal about them putting a bid in for the club on the land of the club and whatever. And I just feel like a lot of people have been let down by them. But, and they need to come out and, and say what their side of the story is, from my point of view. I think, personally, it's... Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you you've summed up my feelings pretty well there. To be fair, Danny, in 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 terms of that, I do think that the people there care about the football club. They want mm-hmm. it to be there. They want you know. The, I I I believe that the main mission statement of the trust is to ensure that football, uh, professional football, remains in Northampton. Mm-hmm at Northampton Town Football Club. That's that's their main thing. The thing that I just don't really get, and, and this is the bit that confuses me somewhat, is that this all stems from the fact that, in my belief, is that because it's been seven years since Thomas and Bauer took over the football club, 
and the East stand still hasn't been completed. Okay, there's additional seating in there now um, than there was when they. But in in terms of actually completing it, it's it's not moved on a single step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see a club that's in trouble though. No, no and and that's the bit that I don't get is that the way that you would think that the way that by the way that the trust have been acting that the club is in in trouble and we've got owners like Berry had like um you know Bolton had before like uh, uh Wrexham had years ago sorry I've I've just been watching their <laughs> documentary today so it's in my head but you know you, you would think that our club is being run by people that that basically want to sell the land you know that the stadium is on for development and just to run down and kick us out and and let the club rot in hell but but mm. they don't no. and there's been no actual you know any anything that points towards that kind of ha- thing happening so it all just stems from in from what i can see the fact that the, the stand hasn't been finished and i don't quite get why that is such a a bad thing to this extent right mm. we're all yeah. fed up at the site that stand you know every single one of us but while it's not done the club isn't at risk yeah <laughs> you know that's the bit that i i, I don't really get yeah. i mean the the the, the trust sorry the trust are actively to me from what i can see from the outside preventing it rather than <laughs> letting it go on you you can you can see an awful lot of stuff like and, and i appreciate that the trust have got their own timeline of events right um, but the club put out a timeline of events, which, you know, I, th- I think it, I thought it was very fair. And I looked at mm-hmm. it and went, right, okay, so there were issues with the lease. Mm-hmm. The things, you know, it took time for that to be even recognised by the council, I think was what Kelvin Thomas said at, you know, the forum. Um, it, you know, they kept going to them and saying the leases are wrong, the leases are wrong, and the council kept going, no, they're not, though, they're not, until all of a sudden they went, oh, actually, yes, they are. So mm-hmm. then they got then they got fixed or whatever happened um and at, at that point we then get hit with covid and and the pandemic happens where well, you can't do anything during the pandemic because we couldn't even leave our homes for more than an hour at a time so how are you mm. going to get a stand done in the two years that that happens you can't um and, and now we're in a cost of living crisis the you know the war in ukraine and, and everything like that happening as well there are lots of things there that that push this kind of thing back and then that's not to mention stuff like the av uh, acv being invoked mm-hmm. which i personally i don't care how many times people that support the trust want to say that that didn't cause a delay yeah. it does cause a delay yeah. end of <laughs> because it, we have to wait six months the council mm. cannot ratify the deal to sell the land mm. because now the legal process is that, that the person that controls the acv or you know invokes it or whatever the terminology is they've now got six months to put in an offer so of course they were going to take the full six months of mm. course they were going to do that because in my view it was a delaying tactic they're going mm. to argue that it's not a delay but it is because it stops anything from being able to happen. Contracts can't be drawn up. And again, this goes back to things like they've been saying about how the no stand, no land thing not being in the, the contract anymore. There is no contract yet because lawyers aren't going to sit down and do a contract until they can actually do it with the people that are buying and selling the, the land in the first place. Mm. So therefore, that's been delayed. And until we get to the point where that delay doesn't exist anymore, that the the ACV period has expired, we can't get to that point. And we can't then get to the point where we actually see what the contract says and what it does. The club have come out and said that they will finish the stand and that there will be things in that contract to make sure that it does happen. They've also explained why they went for a five-year period, which again, I think is reasonable on the basis of we could have another pandemic it could happen we would never have said that you know five years ago but we didn't know that the covid was going to happen so there's all these different things that could happen that could delay the period so if we said oh yeah we'll do it in one year and then all of a sudden the world shuts down again does do we just lose the land again Mm. that's not 
that's not fair. So giving five years is, I think, an acceptable time. I mean, they could have gone for 10 and then we would have been annoyed, wouldn't we? So, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. The thing that I, the thing that annoys me the most about this whole situation is the way, and, and you mentioned it before, Danny, is the way that people are talked to. And yeah. it's the rudeness of certain yeah. people towards certain other people. You, it wasn't meant. This wasn't mentioned in the forum, and I know we'll probably be listening. So, uh, apologies to Tom, but I, I feel it needs to be said. On Twitter, Tom Cliff was asked a question by the, I believe, the legal advisor to the Supporters Trust, and because Tom didn't respond straight away, the response there was another tweet sent to him saying this is basically saying this is taking too long what's taking you so long to reply to me have you got to go down the corridor to get your uh, you know get permission and get the right words to tell me before you respond basically what he was doing was he he was basically just being very rude out of order to somebody that is you know just just trying to be a supporter and trying mm. to link the supporters closer with the club to speak to somebody like that in social media, I don't care who you are, you're mm. rude. Yeah. And you certainly shouldn't be behaving like that as a figurehead, as this guy clearly wants to be, because don't forget, he's the one that signs all the letters that are sent to the council or sent to the football club or the statements that come out or to whoever it is that they're contacting. You know, it's rude. And mm. I just think to myself, if you want a relationship with people... You don't behave in that way. Mm. And it's it's abhorrent. And it yeah. I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed to be a member of the supporters' trust when the people that are meant to be representing me act like that. And that's the, that's exactly it. That's exactly where it, it it comes down to the members and how they're being represented. All somewhere like let's use Mansfield as an example. A couple of their fans run on the pitch, throwing flares. Straight away, we had a bad reputation anyway before that, but for other reasons. Um, straight away, we think Mansfield Town are a bad club. We don't see the guy in the corner who's been going for 50 years and cares passionately about it. He's crying in the away end because his team's just got to Wembley. We don't see that. We, we as football fans, we say, oh, Mansfield Town, shit old, crap club, full of thugs, don't we? It's just, it's just not the, the way we think. It only takes one or two people to ruin a football club to the outside world. In the same situation here, it takes one or two people on social media to ruin the entire organisation of the trust that's been built up over years and years but by passionate people and people who care deeply about the football club. And that's what's happened here, I think. It's ruined the trust. And the way that they've been speaking on social media, like you say, all, all you have to do is chat to Gareth Wilshire, chat to Tom Cliff for 10 minutes with the subject cobblers. And that to me, put <laughs> if you do that, then all of your worries will be allied because they're good people working for the club that they love. And they, they speak and they care passionately about the club. It's not just words. It's not just writing. They care deeply about this football club and they would not let, in my opinion... Some Kelvin Thomas or any owner, they wouldn't let it pass if they weren't completely sure about him. That and if you don't, you know, if you've got an issue with Kelvin Thomas, fine. You've got an issue with Kelvin Thomas. You cannot have an issue with Northampton people like Gareth and Tom or many others at the club if you speak to them for a few minutes. And that that's the thing. Communicate with them, speak to them, email them, talk to them. Because that's the only way you're going to get to know them and get to know that they're working for the good and for the benefits. And everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone is. But do they care about the club? Yes, 150% they do from from my side of things. And that's that's why I care so much about it because I know those people and I know where their heart is. Yep. Um, yeah. The good stuff that came out. Yeah. Of, Googled remediation, uh, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, had to. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so the good stuff that came out of the meeting, uh, first of all, remediation of the land, which basically means I think that they just make it ready to be built on. Maybe something like that. Anyway, environmentally, yeah. yeah, secure. 
whatever. Yeah. Um, there is a there's a break in the in the lease or a break clause in the lease that if it no remediation has been and, and done by 2024, I think, then the lease could be reverted back into the council's control. Um, obviously, the football club have. <laughs> don't want that to happen so we'll be doing stuff and they've instructed uh, a local firm called cc town planning and another firm called Litchfields, who i think we've heard of before in this whole saga i'm yeah. not sure but Litchfields it's... rang a bell to me when it was mentioned um cc town planning isn't colin is it <laughs> colin goldwood town planning uh no i don't think it is but yeah so remediation process will begin that's obviously not going to be cheap and something else that isn't going to be cheap uh, is the news that we have leased a new building at Moulton College, Chesey, for uh, a brand new training facility, or at least to improve the training facility that we now have at Moulton College. Good news. Fab news. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's good because it shows that we're going in the right direction with that. I think we've, for many, many years, we really needed a good training facility. We've got that and we've utilised what we've got really, really well and anything that we build on is going to be good. And what it also is good for is attracting that quality of player. We've talked a lot about this in pre-season before, haven't we? Um, in attracting the quality of player, if you've got some really good facilities and you're building on those facilities, you're going to attract quality, aren't you? Absolutely. And I think it... It shows, isn't it? I didn't realise this, but essentially, I say I didn't realise this, I knew this, of course I did, but um, the amount of different training facilities that we've used over the years, uh, you know, from Abington Park in the Graham Carr days to... The hill. The hill, yeah, the hill. Uh, <laughs> Ian Atkins making people run up and down it, brilliant. Um, Stowe School. Um, where else? Goals, of course, on Mirway. I'm pretty sure that we've trained there before. Um, loads of different places, but they've never been our own. They've never been, you know, belonging to Northampton Town Football Club in any way, shape, or form. We've always been going into a third party facility, basically. And Okay, you could argue that we're still kind of doing that. Moulton College is Moulton College, obviously, but to have four pitches that are exclusive for us to use so nobody else can touch them, nobody else can use them, and to also now have, or, or we will have, a building. And it's not just a tight... Because I, I, I heard about this a few weeks ago, right? I was told about it. And I just, in my head, just pictured uh, essentially a fairly small building that would have a, a changing room in and an office, right? It wasn't very big, what I had in my mind. And yet... When you look at the plans, it's quite a big building. Lots of different rooms. There's going to be change rooms. There's going to be a physio room. There's going to be an activation room, which is, Ooh. yeah. What's that? You, Sounds like something out of Monsters, Inc. That it does, does, doesn't it? Activation. We've got a 23.9. <laughs> An activation room is basically where you, I mean, you activate your muscles before you, do your, you go and do your exercise. So it'll be where they do their foam rolling and different <laughs> bits, right? Foam yeah. rolling. Or, or as I call it, as I call it, torture. So posh. It's torture. It, it is torture. It's it torture. is torture. Anyway, it's foam rolling. Oh, mate, I will show you roller. my foam roller and then tell Ooh. you how And you roll your muscles it. on it. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. It yeah. hurts more than the massage that I had directly after my half marathon today. Hmm. Believe me, that hurts. Hey, get that in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Casual half marathon. Medal. Yeah, that is such uh, a casual thing for you, Charles. Absolutely. Yeah. No ultra. Not yeah, the rest time. of us would be dead by now. If we'd just done that. <laughs> Charles just last night was like, oh, I'm just popping for a half marathon tomorrow morning. Oh, right, yeah. Charles, yeah, you go, you go do that. Yeah, last minute decision yeah. to do a marathon. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> um and uh, what else? There'd be a kitchen in there. Um yeah. Wait, is gonna... the kitchen in there? That that was up for debate, wasn't it? The kitchen. Yeah, Kelvin said he might remove the kitchen. I don't yeah. know why. I think it might have been a, an in-joke. Well, Kelvin, but... <laughs> Kelvin, Kelvin, a message from me. Mm. You have, need to think really carefully about that, that because British people, we need tea in a crisis. So <laughs> Even football. <laughs> you know, if there's any kind PG of crisis, <laughs> they're going to need tea. So I think the kitchen's probably a good thing to keep. Absolutely. Definitely. Are yeah. any of the rooms up for renaming or naming? Uh, yeah, it's, a good, it's a good question. It's a good question. The little, the little Johnny Max did kitchen. Well, he, he's still there at the club. I think that might be a bit awkward for him. Do you think so? Yeah. I think he'd own it. What is it? Do you think? 
I think I think any kind of sound machine should be called the Bayo Boombox. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Love the that. Lee Harper dressing room door has to be. <gasps> do that Uh, yeah we could go on for ages with this that would be brilliant but yeah I I think it's a fantastic move that we're going to have this facility now and it shows you how I suppose how far behind we have been I was listening I don't know whether you've listened to the Moment of Truth BBC podcast where they followed um, well now former Rotherham boss um, Mm. can't think of his name but um, him I was about to say Shane Warne. Shane Warne. It's not Paul Shane Warne. Warne. Paul Warne. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Warne. And uh, Carl Robinson at Oxford, uh, Oxford United. In one of the episodes, they mentioned that they are at um, Oxford's, and it's something like a £4 million training facility. And I was like, oh. Oh, right. <laughs> Ox- oh, oh, brilliant. Great. It, I felt like, oh, maybe Oxford are better than us. I don't like that. That's <clears> not good. In, no, no I, 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 I just mean in terms of like the, well, you know, what they've got in terms of a training ground. They've got a three-sided ground on purpose. That's all you need hey, to know. Hey, look, I'm just, just saying that how I felt at the time. I was a bit like, oh, four million pound training facility. I'd, I'd die for one of them. Um, but yeah, so it was, it's going to be something that is really good and it's going to make a huge difference, I think. And like um, you mentioned before, you know, just just getting players to come, you know, t- to the club. It's going to be something to show off. The very mm-hmm. fact that they're going to be able to rock up to work, because it's where they work on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. If you, you want to be somewhere nice, you want to have a nice facility for you to go to work at. Um, that's why I work in my office at home, because I don't have to leave the front door and I stay in my nice warm house. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there you go. Um, so lots of stuff that came out of the fan forum. Lots of questions were asked. Thank you to everybody that, that that came and asked questions. It saved me from having to ask about favourite pizza toppings uh, <laughs> and different things like that. Before we go, we have to go to the Cobbler's Creative Corner. However, I think what we're going to have to do is, is roll it over to next week oh, because well. because a rollover like the lottery. Exactly. Yes, we're going to roll it over with Mystic with Meg. Alan Dedicote. Uh, <laughs> going to roll oh, it over. What throwback! Going to roll it over to next week. But uh, basically, in this next week, I would love to hear on Twitter, uh, or you can email us podcast at cobblestone dot com. Um, email us your your creative things that have happened this month at the Cobblers to do with the Cobblers. It can be on the pitch, off the pitch, on the pod, even uh, anything creative. Let us know, and we will put it into consideration in the Cobbler's Creative Corner, sponsored, of course, by our lovely friends at <laughs> RLS Print and Design. Thank you so much, guys. Um, who I believe this month, Danny, are mocking up a certain corridor for us. Are they really? I believe so. Amazing. Uh, so that'll be great. So we'll hear all about that next week. Um, before we go. Um, just want to tell you about um, the Supporters Trust 30th Anniversary 1970 Players Reunion. That's a mouthful. Uh, yeah, Players Reunion from the 1970s. It's happening on the 7th of October. Tickets are £10 or they're £5 if you're a trust member. To get tickets and for more information, just email NTFC Trust 1992. That's 1992, the numbers, at gmail.com. NTFC Trust 1992 at gmail.com. And you can get your tickets for that event. Um, brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone. I, I very much enjoyed it. I've not forgotten about NTFC Women. We will be doing a team talk episode, and it will happen this week. And we will talk about their latest game, which was the uh, National League Cup Determinator <laughs> round. Determiner. Determining <laughs> round. My favourite round. Dun, dun, dun. Um, against Wolves that happened on Sunday. So... Uh, listen out for that in our podcast feed um thank you very much danny thank you very much jesse you're welcome anytime oh anytime anytime three o'clock on tuesday talking about the cobblers (laughs) three o'clock on saturday that's a good time Oh, okay fair enough it's brilliant we'll be back on friday or me and danny will be anyway with the preview show we'll be joined by a swindon fan aye because we're playing swindon (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, Swindon. 
<laughs> oh, I just snorted. <laughs> Brilliant way to end the pod. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Cheers. Later. Bye. There's the cup. There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The coppers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.